0: You know, I don't want to get mad this episode. I have enough to get mad about.
1: Henry And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that their zeitgeist here on episode 217 of Zero Credits, which will be tentatively labeled Technical Difficulties.
0: Yes, uh, Zencaster, I don't know if anyone's in the know in the industry, uh, but that is what we are using, even though we are both fully vaxxed uh, for... Uh, expediencys sake I don't know uh, well, I feel like I could nicer. drive up to your house it could be a whole thing but this is I don't know it's easier
1: it's, it's easier nicer. to not leave the home it's nicer to cut out the commute Let, let's just let's just say it it's without the commute the podcast is so much you know easier we can focus more on the tasks that we need to do with much more efficiency like John opened up his beer before we're in the beer segment because he didn't have to commute. I, I saved a 12 minute commute on
0: opening this delicious carbach rodeo clown double IPA rodeo
1: clown mm.
0: delicious oh
1: that's a that's a that's a that's a strong <laughs> beer um now often when I'm ingesting things and uh in a completely reaction reaction moment I go oh that's not normally a good thing. Uh, ha- I don't know how you act when you when you make that noise. Uh, well, what was that noise,
0: John? So this is um, I purchased this because it was on sale, and uh, I typically like Carbox beers. Love Street. Uh, shout out to people who like Love Street. Is a Kolsch for all occasions. I don't think there's anything wrong with Carbox. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I like. I've enjoyed a Love Street in my day.
0: This is this was $2 off and I was like $2 off for a double IPA. I'm I'm feeling pretty hoppy. Uh this is a very classic double IPA, very bitter, uh very very upfront hoppy. The uh cans say uh hoppy and badass and uh, I don't think anything you can consume should be called badass or could be called badass. But Wait, this was, is this is that a something day?
1: Is that a personal dig to me? You don't think anything I've ever eaten or drink could be called badass?
0: I don't think anything anyone can eat oh. or drink should be called badass. badass. I don't know. We, we put so much of our personal identities into the things we consume. Nothing you consume is brave
1: unless it's poison. I'm sorry. Wait. Yeah, poison's the one that would kill you, but ingesting venom would be completely fine. Yeah, you would,
0: however, turn into Tom Hardy.
1: It's true. And uh, you you won't hear me opening the beer tonight um, yet because I've already opened it and I'm drinking Cowboys from Hellist, a Munich-style lager from Independence Brewing Company, born right here in Texas. Uh, it's a seasonal lager for the summer and the spring and it tastes smooth and good and that's all I want from a lager.
0: Yeah, I kind of wish I went with like a Hellas Lager or a Summer Shandy or or really anything that wasn't extremely dank double IPA. Because while this is uh, tasty, I don't know if I'd call this the, the tastes of
1: summer. And that's fine. No one's requiring you to drink the summer flavors right now, John. It's just nice to reflect the weather on my tongue, if you will.
0: I've been drinking the summer flavors every day when I go out for a run because it has been unbelievably humid and sticky and horrible outside. Uh, so thankfully I have an excuse to stay inside still, but it has not yeah. been
1: pleasant in the outside world. It's been real nice for the past two weeks because uh, Delhi, our, our little doggy uh, puppy friend who we, we own now, um i don't know how to talk about anything anymore Uh, but she recently had a surgery and she had to wear this little cone and she couldn't do a lot of physical activity so that meant two weeks of me sitting on the couch and and her sleeping and we were all getting along but now she's completely recovered and she's like i want to go for a walk so i was like okay i'll go for a walk and i went on like an hour long walk and i'm still drenched from that walk yeah, it's uh, it's real bad. I Leo, our uh, sweet
0: uh, puppy baby, who we adopted and now have, and he lives in our house, and sometimes he lives in a cage in our house. Uh he is entering the stage of of puppyhood where he's becoming kind of a brat, and from my understanding, that lasts from about five and a half months to two years. <laughs> so oh, great. I'm not, I'm not super looking forward to it, but he's, he's okay. He's a, he's a sweet boy, and he loves tricks, and he loves to please people, but two damn teens interacted with him on the walk, and they shouldn't have done that, because I'm trying to teach him not to run up and play with people, and if people want to play with him, it's sending the wrong message. This is what people feel like when they see their children... Do drugs or kill people. Everything right. is just out yeah. the window. All the hard work. It's like, what a shame. Exposed to the outside world, and immediately your basis urges take over, and you're killing people in free basin crack.
1: It happens to everybody. Every parent goes through that.
0: They call it the metamorphosis.
1: You're right, by Franz Kafka.
0: Uh, Yes, and then, unfortunately, uh, if your child does both of those, they'll be spending some time in the penal colony, if you know what I mean. Famous short story by Franz Kafka in the penal colony?
1: The Hunger Artist.
0: That's right. Uh, Yeah, just sucked that those teens wanted to play with him. And I feel like such a curmudgeon having a dog. I don't let him sniff stuff a lot. I just bought these beef liver treats to teach him more tricks, and he's so sweet, but sometimes I feel like a real dog, tiger mom, tiger dog, mom.
1: I mean, I don't think there's any wrong way to raise a dog as long as you're not beating it or abusing it in any way. Um, so I think everything's and everything's everything you're doing is fine. Hey,
0: we're both just trying our best out here, Henry.
1: Yeah, it's true. Uh, But speaking about here, John, the world is starting to change. I'm sure you have noticed it. Uh, I myself have started to notice it because as of last week, I am fully vaccinated and I'm through my waiting period. I've gotten all the way charged up, full effectiveness. I am at the 80 to 90% range of vaccination protection. And that means, John, what does that mean? I'm back in the world, baby. I've also been back in the world for a little while in that I was
0: uh, lucky enough, even though I whinged about it on the podcast, I was actually one of the first uh, waves of people to get vaccinated. Thanks, health issues. Uh, But I was one of the first people to be vaccinated. But I did not resume any semblance of normal life. After being vaccinated, I think I just walked without a mask on outside and was generally yeah. like kind of well, OK
1: eating outside at restaurants. When you got fully vaccinated, the the community at large, um, by which I mean the nation, was still very much in very precautious uh, times. Uh, not not everyone was getting vaccinated, not large enough populations for people to reopen. Um, But see, I I waited until it was open to the general public, which egg on my face, uh, because now that I've gotten it, it just seems like everyone's like, all right,
0: back to normal. Everything's normal now. Yeah, there was definitely a point as someone who has been vaccinated for a while where having been vaccinated, I clearly I would like go outside and have a drink around people without a mask. And I'd be a little nervous, but I'd accept that this is kind of how things are. There's a certain point and I think it is commensurate to vaccines being open to the general public that everyone's like everything's great and open. I was like I don't I feel yeah. like we're missing an in between step between cautious and everybody go to
1: ACL. Like there's absolutely no absolutely. I was talking with Jamie about this. It's like um this will be in in regards to our church, but our church is like We're ready to open up again, but the people aren't ready for us to be open yet. Like we need to take this very gradually so that everyone feels safe and do it just in like little spurts. And like, I I agree. Like, yes, lots of people are ready for us to be open again, but a lot of like not everyone can we do it in stages? You know, like, okay, we're just going to open all the Applebee's in the nation are open. Yeah, we'll, we'll have like, we'll do A-B testing or Applebee's testing, if you will. Yeah.
0: Uh, and just the Applebee's will be open. And then if Applebee's turns
1: into a viral hotbed, we'll know it was a mistake. Right. And the people who really want to return to the world, we're you know, we're sorry it's not chilies or something better. But at least you have Applebee's. So you can go to Applebee's at full capacity, no masks. And you can go every night of the week if you really want. We're not going to limit you. Uh, But if you go to the Chili's, we're still going to be at 75% occupancy, at least until the A-B test, the Applebee's test, clear.
0: Yeah, that would be so much preferable, so much more preferable. At some point, I was thinking, can we just all get like a month or like a week off? Not like off of work. Because that would be great, and I think that this would be part of my plan. But, like, can we just have, like, somewhere between two weeks to a month where we're off of work, where we all put our cell phones in, like, a box, and we all just, like... There's, like, a government-mandated meeting in a park where everyone's outside, and they're like, did you guys... Did the same thing happen to you guys? Were you also in fear for your life every single day for 15 months? Did you also go through the biggest economic change in the United States in your entire lifetime? Did your perception of work, the self, capital, your loved ones, all change basically overnight? Can we pretend that there is no – can we acknowledge that there is no getting back to normal it's insane that we're not even, like, addressing yeah. this. We went from cautious to go for it. No,
1: for, for real, uh, people are insisting everything go back to normal so much so that fast food restaurants are having a hard time hiring staff back because they're not budging from the, you know, the 7 an hour minimum wage when we've had huge national conversations about minimum wage that everyone paid attention to because they were locked inside. And and so now it's like, yeah, you can advertise all you want. You've got these jobs. McDonald's keeps saying like, we'll give you a hundred bucks just for an interview. And now it's like, we'll give you an iPhone if you take the job. Uh, But what they're not saying is we're going to give you a, a living wage. And that's the main problem. Everyone's now aware that you can't live off just, you know, the minimum, the federal minimum wage. So Instead of insisting let's rush back to normal, I like your plan, let's all like, meet in a park, have a nice open discussion about how the world is different now. And we cannot go back just to normal because the status quo is no longer quo.
0: I mean, there's, there's this kind of bad faith argument that exists particularly primarily on the right. Uh, But don't sleep on this. A lot of people who call themselves Democrats and liberals are saying the same thing, uh, including arguably the president, which is a bummer. Uh, The idea that the labor labor shortage exists because of the extension of unemployment benefits. uh, Not true. Absolutely not true. I think that, uh, first of all, 600,000 plus people died. Your workforce is smaller. I'm sorry. Yeah, Uh, it just is. But also, like, people, we have never had a period in our lives, and hope to God, we'll never have a period again, uh, unless it takes a very different shape, where the the mechanisms of capital were laid bare to so many people, uh, where people were able to see that, oh, companies are extremely fragile uh, to people not being able to work or people not patronizing them. Uh, and we also became aware of how little our employers and in some cases, by extension, our government cares about our financial well-being, like people in government, for the most part, don't give a shit if you eat like they'll let you die. The United States is a ideologically bankrupt nation that would just let that happen to hundreds of thousands of people, potentially. And I think people have had enough we don't want to work for shitty companies let alone the shitty companies that when we were in the midst of a pandemic we're forcing people in front of customers making the implicit and explicit statement your life means less to us than our business no one wants to work
1: for those people anymore period yeah. we're just getting through a period of economic downturn That was caused solely because our entire economic structure is propagated by the buying of things. And when people can't buy things, the economy tanks, meaning that it's not a good sustaining system. There's no no safety net. If people can't buy things and the economy tanks, it's just going to keep tanking. But luckily, you know, we got what little economic relief we did that sort of held up the institutions that be. But it's like, we just revealed that you need us. And now you want us back at suboptimal conditions. Fuck no.
0: I mean, we got what over the entire course of the pandemic? $3,400, something like that? Yeah, something uh, like that. to, To stay afloat? Not enough. Even unemployment insurance was not enough for a lot of people. And the system that we find ourselves entrenched in, and I think the system that people finally, I don't know, I don't want to assume that people weren't able to see this for some reason, uh, but for the sake of argument, we'll say that people saw for the first time that we've been living uh, pretty comfortably for the last... Uh, 30 to 40 years, kind of a little bit pre-Reagan. We've been living uh, with this uh, completely fabricated myth in America of infinite growth potential. Like, uh, shareholders will always assume that, oh, quarter over quarter, your company will grow. That's why whenever a company uh, doesn't make an earnings beat and produces like subpar earnings for an earnings call, their stock plummets because shareholders are extremely reactive to any changes in growth because we always assume that we're getting money back on our investments, and that's not true. And what that has resulted in, uh, through no government intervention, and in some cases, uh, the opposite of government intervention for the better, the government kind of – incentivizing companies to work this way. We operate on razor-thin margins. Like, America is a prosperous nation full of Alfa Romeos and Maseratis and other cars made in other countries. Uh, but
1: they're just, like, riding on top of a bog. And if they ever stop, they're going to sink. Like, Yeah, and, and we we saw the, mechani- mecha- 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 me- the mechanics of that at, at least begin with the, the largest amount of unemployment in, uh, in our nation's history, and just the the um, the amount of people on unemployment insurance and stuff like that, we we almost saw the brink. Um, yeah. But of but of course, there were bailouts. <laughs> yes, there were bailouts to the people who deserved it the least. Oh, I, I read a headline the other day that a lot of PPP loans went to um, uh, farms that in the middle of nowhere that don't exist. Yes.
0: Uh they went to farms in the middle of nowhere. They went to small businesses owned by the spouses of executives at Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. Uh weird. I wonder how those nonprofits are doing that they created overnight and then took out uh the PPP loans and then uh yeah, I I I think those nonprofits are probably doing some really good work and didn't just funnel Uh, the uh, money into the investments of their spouse and their cohorts. I'm sure that didn't happen.
1: Let's not forget Thomas Brady, a famous football star, got a PPP loan for his nonprofit and used the money to buy a yacht.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom MAGA Brady uh, did exactly that. Uh, Please do not forget he wore the MAGA hat.
1: Yeah, never, never forget. This is your champion. This is your champion, (laughs) New England this is your
0: champion earth. Yeah. I just look forward to the uh, version of reality where he and Gronk split. And then they, uh, they enter some kind of gladiatorial arena together and Gronk squishes his head like a ripe watermelon.
1: Oh yeah. And the, um, and the secret wars. <laughs>
0: yes. The secret. I would genuinely read a comic book that was the secret wars, but it was just teams hey, from the NFL. <laughs> And its principal characters were Gronk and Tom Brady as the villain. Yeah, I'd I'd read it. It'd be so good. Gronk Um, is also a villain. Uh, I don't don't, (laughs) don't want to besmirch Gronk. Gronk is more innocent than Tom Brady because he has less capacity for thought and thus less capacity for evil. We are rapidly uh, alienating our fan base who does not give a shit who Rob Gronkowski is.
1: Okay, well, let's let's reel it back. Um, yeah, the world is returning to normal. Movie theaters are opened. Movies are coming back. I've been to the movies. <laughs> I've been to the movies, too. Yeah, so we both have gone back to the Alamo Draft House. I believe you went a week before I did. Yes, that is accurate. Um, and the fun thing about this brief period of time, it's already over. Uh, as soon as this episode comes c- comes out, it'll already be over. For, for this brief two-week period of mo- movie theaters being open, um, there's no movies. There's nothing.
0: <laughs> there's yes. nothing out. It, it was uh, fascinating uh, going a week before you did because we're like, do we want to see the movie about an anime we haven't seen? Do we want to see... Uh, an Angelina Jolie movie that seems to be a remake of Backdraft. Yeah. Or do we want to see the new Zack Snyder movie about zombies? And those really, or do we want to see the apparently surprisingly excellent uh, Chris Rock right led Saw sequel?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. The the, the choices for us were, were not that different. Uh, I, f- I framed him in a different way. It's like, do you want to see Zack Schneider's movie that's on Netflix right now? Uh, do you want to see Angelina Jolie's backdraft remake that's on HBO Max right now? <laughs> uh, do you want to see a horror movie to which that was immediately shot down, which only left us with the anime movie that was subtitled um, for an anime that I would watched, but Jamie had not watched. But when I pitched it to her as a joke, she said, "No, I'm game. Let's go."
0: I mean, as as a quick like moment of synergy between us. Now I've seen all of Demon Slayer, yeah. And, uh, we can join. Apparently, Zoomers love Demon Slayer. Uh, so all my all my e boys out there know what I'm talking about.
1: Uh, e boys, e girls. What what's uh, that? An e girl is uh, a a girl with dyed hair who streams on Twitch, but also sells, like, lewd photos. Ooh! Um, An no, e-boy, I, I'm guessing, would be quite the same thing.
0: Okay, well, e-boys and e-girls, listen up, because a 31-year-old is talking. Uh, and you're ostensibly children. Uh, Demon Slayer's good. It's a shame that the movie's only subtitled, because the dub is really good. Inosuke is my favorite.
1: Zenitsu is are... pretty cool. There is a dub version of the movie, just Alamo Drafthouse did not get it. I mean
0: that's fine. I'll I'll watch a sub. I'm interested to hear what Inosuke sounds like in uh Inosuke. Okay.
1: Not not to uh, spoil it for you, but uh I will give major props to the to the English voice actor because he nails it. They sound hmm. basically the same.
0: That's uh that's great. One thing I noticed watching Demon Slayer uh the dub uh, I don't know if this is alienating our audience. Maybe Big Demon Slayer. Absolutely, it
1: is. Absolutely alienating. Alienate. Alien, alien.
0: There you go. Uh, one thing that I do really appreciate about the dub of Demon Slayer is uh, you'll notice that uh, I am not a native Japanese speaker and only know things from animes uh, and video games. And there's there are a certain number of like easy like dialectical pronunciation outs. When saying kind of difficult to pronounce things like Japanese names, uh, the dub does a really good job because typically, if uh, we say a name in a dub that ha- that starts with a T S, we just say an S sound like Su or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's actually a much more complicated thing. Uh, similarly, something ending in a ske like a S U S U K E, I'll say like K, Incorrect. It's Inoske. Oh, Just okay. Sharply char- ends at a K. Everyone yeah. in the dub nails it. Like the dub of Demon Slayer really nails the pronunciation. Don't know that I've ever seen a dub do that before. Props to Demon Slayer. And that's the last thing I'll say about it.
1: I mean, the, 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 the neat thing about the this new generation of of dub to sub kind of thing is uh, we've stopped trying to Americanize everything. Like there's a, a, a built in understanding that like this comes from Japan. It has Japanese roots. We're going to honor those roots in the dub instead of changing the main character's name to, like, Mike or something.
0: Yeah, uh, anime used to be real, real bad about that. And slowly, granted, it's taken, like, 30 years to actually respect the culture uh, that produced it. Also, another quick one is, like, if a character's name is K-A-N-A-O, we'll say, like, Kanao. It's actually, like, Kano. Okay. Which, hard to say, uh, dub nails Yeah. It.
1: Well, that's great. Uh, I didn't know all that. I had no idea anything about Japanese pronunciation.
0: Just uh, Uh, just rewatch the Demon Slayer uh, physical therapy arc. There's a lot of characters with hard-to-pronounce names. You'll start seeing it.
1: Yeah. Um, But I didn't really want to talk about the movie that I saw. I did absolutely want to talk about the experience of going back to the movies and something that happened to my brain... While I was sitting in the theater watching trailers, please. Um, so you know we're, we're, we've ordered. This is Alamo Draft House. You order drinks. You order food. We've ordered our appetizer has been brought out, and the trailers are playing. And it, um, it starts off innocuous enough with a, a trailer for Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy, a movie that was made in 2019, 2020, and never got to release. I never saw a trailer for it, so I was fine. Um, but then another trailer, the second trailer started to play, John. And my brain jumped back in time because I sat through the entire trailer beat for beat for a movie that I swore had come out and had passed and had gone. Wait, what Ghostbusters movie? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Wait,
0: I, I have no... What is Ghostbusters Afterlife?
1: Are you... Really? I have no Um, idea what Ghostbusters Afterlife is. Okay, well, this movie was slated to come out, like, summer of 2020. Uh, It it is the the third movie in in the Ghostbusters trilogy. Don't call it that. Don't. (laughs) It's not. It's the third movie in the trilogy, Okay, uh, this, so all of our questions will finally be. <laughs> yes, there was clearly there was the uh, there was
0: the introduction of the heroes. There was the dark middle chapter, and then finally, with the last installment of the Ghostbusters trilogy, we'll get the denuma or whatever—the the
1: end of the Ghostbusters saga, if you will. <laughs> yes,
0: the uh, the the God, what's a single character's name? The Egon, Egon Saga.
1: All right. Um, so it, for, for if you're really asking me, this this movie takes place 30 years after Ghostbusters in the middle of nowhere and em- involves a, a a family that has to they've had to sell their house, move to this this house that they, they've inherited from uh, their grandfather or something like that. Uh, Paul Rudd is in it. He plays like a science teacher. And uh, it turns out one of the kids is like descended from Egon and that uh, the Ghostbusters are gone. There has been a ghost sighting in 30 years. Uh, and that's all of the premise that I know. Oh, this is the one where the Ghostbusters come back, like the original actors. Yes. And Finn Wolfhard is in it. Yeah. Not interested. Uh, not interested I, either. The point is, yeah, I I had seen trailers for that movie leading up to the pandemic so often that I had completely forgot it was a thing. And sitting in that theater eating loaded uh, f- fries, gulping them down while watching trailers, it's it's like I was, I was hurtled through time to pre-pandemic times watching this trailer. It was a relic from a time that no longer exists.
0: I had a similar experience in that uh, my first trip back to the movies was uh, it was fraught. We ended up seeing Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, so it was fraught. Uh, but we also got a trailer for Free Guy. And the overwhelming sensation I got was that this experience that I was having, uh, and this changed later in my viewing experience, but this experience that I was having was... The world hit pause on movies and then hit play once the pandemic was over, which felt weird. I felt like I was in two timelines. I was getting like weird, like time motion sickness, exactly. Because I saw trailers for Free Guy, and then our world collapsed, and
1: now I'm seeing a trailer for Free Guy. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It feels like a, a like a, a you know a, a Billy Pilgrim has been you know unstuck in time kind of moment, because now there are two distinct periods of my life where I can point to and say that Ghostbusters trailer is in both of them, and it absolutely should not be. Yeah, it should not be 15 months apart. Yeah, no way. Like, this is insane. I thought that movie had come out, had bombed, and we had moved on collectively as a species, but instead, we can't get over it. (laughs) We
0: cannot get over ghostbusters hey no matter what happens even a global pandemic we still give
1: way too much of a shit about the past i guess yeah i mean i haven't consumed any any sort of media that deals with coronavirus as a plot um and that's on purpose because i've lived it i don't need somebody's interpretation of what going through it was like but i'm a yeah. I'm afraid that we're gonna get this resurgence once movies like start rolling out normally again that it's just gonna become a part of our popular culture for a while and I really don't want it to.
0: I would be happy to watch a movie about the coronavirus four or five years from now. I wouldn't like pay to watch it, but uh it's a thing we all lived through i I was afraid there'd be more corona narrative stuff happening in the depths of the coronavirus, but. To be honest with you, a kind of terrifying thought that I had recently is we haven't seen media creation during the coronavirus. Like, we've seen things go through production, like things like Soul, which were essentially done pre-COVID and then, like, went through editing and post-production and then came out. But we haven't seen what a world post-coronavirus will make. Which is interesting and scary because I don't want to see this in anything. I don't. I don't care about the coronavirus. It's very simple. I don't think there's much to be said about it from a narrative
1: standpoint. Just don't show it to me. Right. Yeah. Um, th- and there, there are like net- network television never stopped because you can't stop network television. It, um, to do so would be to end existence. So, uh, Jamie watches this show called like a million little things, uh, which is like a, this is us kind of thing, but I don't know cur- anything about either of the things. You just-
0: this is us. There's like a guy with a mustache who's dead.
1: Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, and, and, and million, a million little things, uh, Ron Livingston kills himself and that brings all these characters together, um, to interact for the first time in years or whatever. And their mm-hmm. lives spiral from there but in this most current season coronavirus is happening and when i learned that i was like why (laughs) yeah
0: i mean if you could if you could make anything happen in this universe just make covid not happen
1: yeah it's like well it's just you know they opened the restaurant and then they had to immediately go to like you know no no one can be in it because of covid and it's like but why why did they choose to do that i uh i don't
0: get it I'm fascinated to know, and not to talk about this movie much, I'm fascinated to know, we didn't talk, oh, you and I haven't talked about this at all. Oh my god, I'm just remembering this. What? I don't know who? Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Let's not I gloss not, over the fact that Zack Snyder released a movie that he directed, edited, and wrote. Army of the Dead is of all Zack Snyder movies, other than like Sucker Punch, the most Zack Snyder movie uh, you could possibly watch.
1: I, I would... know they they digitally replaced a dude of Tignataro, which is pretty awesome.
0: Best thing about that, they replaced Chris D'Elia, who we've talked about on this podcast as being a creep who grooms kids on Snapchat allegedly, uh, with Tignataro, Pride of Mississippi. Uh, bless Tignataro, but. Uh, you and I didn't talk about this. I'm fascinated to know how much of Army of the Dead was shot during COVID because the thing about Army of the Dead is the way they know you're turning into a zombie is if you have a low temperature. So there are scenes where they are taking people's temperature at their foreheads, and then there's oh like a God. really... uh. I don't know how much we want to talk about Zack Snyder as a person. I don't know what his political beliefs are, but there is a scene where it's kind of being implied that people can use your temperature to like prejudice against you
1: and do that.
0: It feels kind of, if this, if this was somehow shot pre COVID, amazing total coincidence, but if it was during COVID, I feel like he's kind of making some statement that the ability to take people's temperature and make judgments about them is authoritarian. The only thing we know about Zack Snyder politically is that he loves Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, so we can't say for (laughs) sure. But it it just feels kind of gross in a movie that's not great. I don't know. Uh, I'm just fascinated to know They did replace that one gross dude with Tignataro. Big props to them for that. Huge props. But the the temperature thing feels a little weird.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Um, Because, you know, as this is not a supplemental reading of Army of the Dead, I have done no research about it.
0: Yes, unfortunately there will not be a supplemental reading of Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Even though I feel like we could fill an hour talking about that movie. There's a lot going on. We've done enough for Schneider. <laughs> we we certainly have. Uh, I have given Zack Snyder more time of my life than I ever thought I would give Zack Snyder, who, once again, to revisit, we did that whole thing for him. I still don't think I like him as a person or a director very much. Yeah. Um, but it sure was a special thing that happened with that movie about the Superman. <laughs>
1: well said john (laughs) um but speaking of media you know being made in a post-covid world uh we're not gonna get any for quite some time i've got a schedule here of movies coming out soon um but this uh it's all things that were announced way before like a Quiet Place Part 2 comes out this weekend. But its I, I really feel like it's only being released because the budget was so low. And so they don't really need a lot of people in theaters to make up the budget. Um, but then you've got like The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, another horror movie with a low budget. You've got on Friday, June 11th, In the Heights, which was supposed to come out last summer... You've got The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, a sequel to a movie that was critically panned. So I'm not entirely sure why it's being made. You've got F9 colon The Fast Saga, which, which was supposed to come out last fucking May. Yeah, which was almost through with post-production. Yeah, and they decided not to release it. I would have I gotten COVID to go see F9. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe.
0: Which, by the way, props to F9, breaking, uh, if there's any movie that's going to break the post-COVID uh, blockbuster uh, records, F9 is a deserving movie to do it in, checks notes, China?
1: I think it's only out in China. Oh, wait, no, it's coming out June 25th here.
0: Yeah, but it's already out in uh, in uh, other markets oh. and it's breaking a ton of records. I did not know that. I mean, we'll so much so that. that there are spoiler-filled
1: reviews. Stay off of the internet until June 25th. Yeah, I'm doing that. Um, but then we've got like Friday, July 9th, Black Widow, which was supposed to come out last May. Yes. Like that. None of this. Nothing. Nothing on this list besides maybe the Green Knight, which I'm very excited for. Um, it is new. Jungle Cruise. July 30th? That was announced like three years ago. I mean... Ah, wait, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard is coming out also in August? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, no, no. That's the
0: Hitman's Wife's Daughter's Bodyguard. <laughs> they made, they made what is a this sequel. a sequel to? Oh, the Hitman's Bodyguard. Oh, so it's not a sequel to The Astronaut's Wife? <laughs> no! okay i gotcha uh uh,
1: no it's 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 also a prequel to the time traveler's wife
0: yeah this is part of the the blanks blank verse right right the magician's Uh,
1: assistant is also (laughs) is also part of the blanks blank verse what is happening um but friday september 17th i'll have you know john An actual original movie that was not announced pre-COVID is coming out. That's right, John. The Boss Baby Family Business. (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, we're going to have so many good, good movies to watch. And that's followed up by Venom Let There Be Carnage. I wonder what that movie is going to be about. Oh, my
1: God. Uh, But now we're deep into October on this schedule. Um no time to die, the the, the 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 what's his name James Bond movie that was supposed to come out like two summers ago. Mm-hmm. This is in October. <laughs> When's Thor Blood and Thunder coming out? Twenty
0: twenty two. No, I was gonna say something off color about the nature of Taika Waititi and Rita Ora's and Tessa Thompson's relationship, but, but I don't know I'll save it about that. Uh, now we're in November. And they kiss They kiss him? They kiss him. They all three of them. They, all three of them are kissing. It's a throuple? Seems to be. Or, you know.
1: Hey, man, keep, The Gen Z.
0: Who, <laughs> t- classic <laughs> Gen Z behavior from Taika Waititi.
1: Uh, so now we're deep into November, John, of this year. And Marvel's The Eternals, a movie that was supposed to come out, I feel like, two years ago will be finally debuting uh, a movie that poor over-muscled Kumail
0: Nanjiani has been sitting in the confines of his house waiting to come out for a very long
1: time yeah I, I mean I know he's been he's been you know keeping up with his his workouts with all of his gear yeah all of his exercise gear yeah all of the gear that he needs to use to get those muscles yeah the workout gear we're on the same page. Yeah, the same page. Like I, a gear that would change his his whole entire physiology and change the entire shape of his face. Yeah, like some
0: uh, two depth squats and some good bench presses and deadlifts using you know approved workout gear. Yeah, absolutely. Trainer supplied gear. Yeah, listen. I'm just saying. Uh, eat clean. Uh, trend hard.
1: I don't know. I don't know if I follow.
0: It's, uh, never mind. Uh, yes, all the gear that he needs to have his exercise gear. Listen, anyone's choices are their own. I love Kamel Nanjiani and I support anyone's choices to do whatever the fuck they want with their body.
1: That's fine. Just admit that, you know, normal people without access to gear. exercise gear barbells weights kettlebells won't be able to get the same results
0: yeah if you don't i mean
1: that's true of anything in life if you don't have the right gear you just can't do it yeah yeah if you don't have the right enhancements gear yeah ghostbusters afterlife (laughs) comes out november 11th why are we holding on to it for so long it was basically done. It it is done. It's been done for a year and a half. It it was ready to come out. All of these a lot of these movies are just sitting on the shelves in the studios. They're ready. They I just want, they, they want money, so they they're holding on to them. I mean, I do not
0: begrudge a studio for setting their schedule up in such a way that they can share like periodic large returns because if you're a if you're a studio that puts out six movies all of a sudden at the end of a pandemic, uh, diminishing returns. You don't maximize what those movies could do if you because people are hungry get, to go
1: to the movies no matter mm-hmm. what. Uh, no, so, absolutely, yeah, we are hungry to go to the movies so much so I saw an, a, a, an anime movie dubbed in Japanese for a show my wife had never seen. I
0: mean, people are hungry to go to the movies. I, I'll i say one thing about this is that people are going to... Studios, not people. They're not people. They're heartless entities. But studios, uh, to be brutally honest with you, are probably going to have to pad out their schedules for the next year and a half. Because that's mm-hmm. when we're really going to start seeing new movies come out. Like new, new po- post-COVID movies about 16, 18 months from now is when those are really going to start coming out. So they need to pad out those schedules for quite some time. There's a there's a big bump in the road. Uh, but to go back to the people hungry to go see movies, they at the Alamo Drafthouse, they play this little welcome back message now.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it tugged at my heartstrings. I love the Alamo Drafthouse.
0: It's my dumb little chapel that I go to to worship my one god, and that is media. And that started playing, I was like, another COVID thing. And then I finished, and I'm like, oh, I'm crying. I'm crying in a movie theater. N- not even that the message that this is conveying is so powerful. I'm just so happy to be here again, and I did not realize how much I missed it.
1: Yeah, no. Like, nothing beats the theater experience. Like, so many movies I'd watched during this pandemic, and, and I was grateful that, you know, Warner Brothers or whoever the fuck owns HBO now um, decided to release all their movies simultaneously in theaters and in on HBO max. But I watched some of these new releases and it, it just, it didn't, they didn't hit quite as hard on the home screen. You know, like Kong versus Godzilla, a, a movie I was looking forward to for so long. I watched it and it kind of was like, well, I guess it's over, it, but that's it.
0: I mean, the, I never want to come off as like a standoffish movie prig about anything, but I feel like movies were created ostensibly for a certain level of like spectacle and ritual to be required to see a movie for the first time. Now, granted, uh, the advent of movies going to recordable and re-recordable, rewritable media later happened, but the way movies were meant to be seen historically is through a weird little ritual where you pay a snot-nosed man a quarter and then you go into a weird dark room. And then you watch a movie that another man in a dark box is showing to you and you eat greasy popcorn. Like the way you should see movies is in this weird communal way.
1: There's this like. It's a shared experience.
0: Yeah. it's, It's a shared experience that has this like metaphysical undercurrent. You're all experiencing the same thing. You're all going through the same thing together. Like I this movie has turned in the popular opinion but i saw three billboards outside ebbing missouri when it first came out in a theater with like 12 people in it and like the feeling of all going through the same thing together during a dark point in my life was hugely important to me and a movie like godzilla versus kong versus godzilla godzilla versus kong, i don't know the title i refuse to learn it We're going to talk about it next week. But a movie like that, when you exclusively see it on your TV, I think that there are great experiences that you can only have on a TV. But seeing a movie for the first time on a TV is not the best way to do that. And I get it. The experience of seeing a movie for the first time on the big screen for the great overwhelming majority of movies is impossible. Like, I don't know. Uh, If I had seen Julie and Julia for the first time on the big screen when I saw it like two years ago, even though it came out in 2009, if I had seen that on the big screen, would have loved the movie even more. I love it, but there's a little tiny part of me that wishes I had had the theater experience, and I'm never going to be someone who lets go of the theater being a special place.
1: Yeah, I also do not like being a curmudgeon like, say, a Chris Nolan who lauds the theater experience but in some ways he's right
0: please the theater slash fortnight experience
1: yeah exactly if i had seen spider-man into the spider-verse which is my all-time favorite movie now if i had seen that for the first time on a on a tv screen doesn't matter how good that tv screen would have been i don't know if i would have liked it as much i i mean i think what it is is that it it's you
0: plugging into other people. Like, one of my favorite movies of all time, Kevin Spacey is in it, unfortunately, is Baby Driver. I love Edgar Wright movies. Uh, and also, there's a new Edgar Wright movie coming out. So excited. Yeah. Uh,
1: and and, and, and Taylor Joy's in it, apparently. Yeah, Last Night in Soho, something like that. Something like that. A teaser literally dropped for it today. But... When I saw Baby
0: Driver for the first time, it was in a theater full of people who, by and large, were seeing it for the first time. And you would feel the waves of energy come from the screen and wash over all these other people who would gasp and chuckle and breathe and talk and murmur as things happen. So you you feel like culture and media is washing over you as a people, whereas, like when you watch it on a TV and you can watch it with a room full of people, it's just kind of like individual downloads of a thing you're watching and it just yeah. doesn't
1: command your attention in the same way. I, I think it's taken a year without going to the theater to make me realize how much I, I heavily enjoy the entire experience atmosphere and just everything that comes with going to the movies to see something for the first time.
0: I mean, I, you nailed it. I, I had no idea how much I loved it until I went to go see this shitty Zack Snyder movie.
1: Yeah. I I cried during this anime movie a number of times, like four or five times. And, and I think just all of my emotions were, were amped up by one, being in a movie theater, and two, just the screen is every... You can't... The screen is everything. Like, it is the entire wall that you're looking for. Th- looking at and and you can't escape it. It's just, it floods you with endorphins and whatever chemical makes you sad, sad dolphins. Yeah. Sad, sad dolphins, sad dolphins that swim through your brain. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have watched that movie on a smaller screen. If I would have cried as much, I, who knows? I mean, I I don't know if, I don't know if I would have cried at all. If I had been going, if I'd been going to the movies regularly, Before seeing this, it's hard to say, but this is what happened. And I I attribute it to the, the theater going experience. I mean, I'm a big advocate
0: of if you're in it, if you're somewhere to experience art, you should make it as impossible as you can to escape the art. If you're going to an art gallery, leave your phone in the car. If you're going to a movie, go to an Alamo draft house where people can't talk. It's real dark and the screen is huge. Like there's there's a deficit in our society of like experiencing things fully. So if you're paying money to experience art, let it assault you. And there's no way to let that happen through a TV. I don't care how big your fucking TV or projector is. There's really essentially no way to make that happen at home.
1: Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Uh, So I'm glad Uh, you
0: got assaulted by anime.
1: Oh, I got assaulted by anime and feelings The the, the most potent combo.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, you can't you can't underestimate the power of anime and feelings.
1: Uh, can I circle back for a second and ask a question about something you said?
0: Hey, can we uh, circle back to that uh, low hanging fruit we talked about earlier? Hey, uh, I'll, is...
1: I'll loop you in on this. Uh, this is hey, Zoom okay. meeting can... culture shit. Are we going to take this offline? Are we taking this offline? Hey, can we take we... this offline? I all uh, I am you about it. I'm, I'm just going to touch base a little bit later about this, but I'll, I'm going. I want to circle back for real.
0: Hey, uh, you know I don't have the answer to that question, uh, but I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll send some emails. It'll be uh, we both leave
1: lead hellish
0: half lives. Office it's life true. is
1: like living in purgatory. So you made reference to three billboards, and you prefaced it by saying this movie has turned in the popular uh, view. What, what did you mean? What, what's happened with three billboards?
0: Uh, there's a, I don't know, maybe three or four months after three billboards started cleaning up in the award circuit. And this is a fair critique., uh, I don't know, the the issue of race is brought up in three yeah. billboards for like a second. And, is, and then quickly is gone is in like three scenes. And also now it is difficult as much as I love that movie. And I love, uh, Sam Rockwell and Francis McDormand, and whoever the fuck plays her son. He's great. Uh, but it is difficult to have a movie where race is kind of hand waved. And it is about the redemption of an abusive cop.
1: Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, the the political landscape, to use an overloaded term, uh, has shifted, but not – it really hasn't shifted. It's just people are more aware now. Yeah. They should have been aware the entire time, but they weren't. And and by people, I mean mean me and you. (laughs) And it's a good thing to bring up. It's the anniversary of the murder of
0: George Floyd uh, by Derek Chauvin. It Uh, is. So – it, it's good to bring up because as much as i love that movie now uh what is it 3 almost 4 years later it's it, 4 years it it's tough to sell that movie now uh because maybe 5 yeah. years later well i saw it right when i first moved to austin and i hated it here and i hated my life and then i went to go see that movie and then things were okay that uh, was thanks, 3 years three billboards 3 years uh, uh 4 years actually. No. Well, three no. and a half.
1: No. Three and a half, yeah. Because it was right half. after Thanksgiving, that's right. Yes.
0: Uh, but right. yeah, that, that movie, uh, I love that movie. Very well done. Incredible. It's like a well-paced play, but I feel like watching it now, it's tough to see something that it's kind of... It Its biggest thing is a bunch of white people, and also the uh, rehabilitation of an abusive, racist police officer. It's it's a right. tough sell now, but it's a good movie.
1: Okay, well, thank you for explaining that. Um, I will forward this to the related parties, and I think we'll we can touch base on this again in uh, next month's review.
0: Yeah, are you on a distribution list with Francis McDormand?
1: Uh. I- I, I'm on distribution. We, we, we cross lists sometimes. So I'm going to forward this to the other list and hopefully they'll forward it to her. But, uh, if not, uh, I I think we can just pencil in success here and, uh, maybe take this offline.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm in a teams with a direct report of, of Sam Rockwell, so I can pass something to him and, you know, maybe they'll meet, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll take it offline.
1: I'll send you. I'm any. imagining. I'm imagining a world where everyone is just they just apropos of their job and their 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 situation. They just have these teams they're a part of, like, and <laughs> they have meetings with them. And it's like, does that, is anyone in direct contact with Kevin Bacon? And it's <laughs> like, oh, well, I, actually, I'm in a reading club with uh, his assistant, and so maybe I can forward a ma- like all business is done through these ancillary little, little groups, like nothing is directly reported to anyone and life is probably
0: better. You know how some companies, uh, and I believe in this as a practice, uh, if anyone is a member of these companies and doesn't, uh, but some companies have a thing where they like pair you with five or six people in your organization that like skip levels or under you, whatever and you meet with them on a regular basis to like have a donut or a coffee or whatever. It's like, cool, you have a donut with a VP every once in a while. Uh, What if you got that at birth, and you were just assigned six other people that you were, like, in a a Slack with or had meetings with? And someone's like, yeah, I have a quarterly meeting with Brian Cox, and it's really
1: intense. (laughs) It's really intense. Yeah. Yeah. At at birth, you're assigned your catette to borrow from Stephen King's uh, Gunslinger Dark Tower series. Um, but that cadet you you have to work together and meet and like accomplish something. It's his destiny that you're gonna you're gonna work with these people. And it's like, you know, I do have this meeting with Joe Biden. <laughs> I guess I could bring it up, but honestly, I don't like bringing outside problems to him. He's got a lot on his plate.
0: I mean, this might be a car box, a two buck rodeo clowns in thought. But I think society might actually be a lot better if we were forced to care about six people who weren't ourselves Yeah, that were totally randomly chosen because some people might have like uh, Bill Clinton or like, I don't know, I hear Bolsonaro. I'm saying people who are bad. But like the idea that you would have to like have lunch six times a year with these six different yeah. people. Uh, yeah, no, life, yeah. because the, the biggest differentiator in life is like luck and who, you know, so if like right. you're put in the same party as like Rosie O'Donnell or something, your life's probably gonna be a little bit better. And if you're in the same like social circle with someone who is quite a few rungs down the like social socioeconomic ladder as you, they're probably better for having known you. You could tell them, like, um, hey,
1: there's a cool job at
0: this company I
1: work for. Imagine if, like, Ted Cruz had his circle included, like, a homeless person. He might care more about issues that affect people on the lower rungs of society because he's forced to interact with a homeless person six to eight times a year. That would be great. I think
0: if anyone, real talk, and in Austin, this is a very pressing concern. I feel like if you took anyone in like a, like a middle to upper class background and just had them meet once a year with a person experiencing homelessness for an hour, humanity would be in a, in a much better place. I have the unique privilege of uh, having interacted with, and I'd like to believe helped a number of people experiencing homelessness. Uh, So I of course am sympathetic uh two issues affecting them but a lot of people just have no optics on that whatsoever so get Ted yeah. Cruz in the room with the guy that I know who is on the <laughs> corner of uh Parmer and uh 183 and just uh have them hash it out once a year they'd be right. they'd both be better for it
1: and any any politician who's ever voted on an, any type of abortion bill uh, they have to meet every week with pregnant women. I would take it one step for further.
0: Anyone who votes on an abortion on banning abortion, uh, who is male will be made pregnant. Arnold Schwarzenegger in junior style. Uh, <laughs> and forced and to carry the to fucking deal with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then um, anyone to get who like votes for people to carry guns without a permit uh, should talk to anyone whose loved ones were uh, victims of gun violence, either by being shot by someone else or committing suicide. Uh, that yeah. would be great.
1: That would be great. Yeah, just to share experiences. You, you know, um, when you join either the police or the military, you have to get pepper sprayed and bear sprayed all the various levels of sprays uh, before you're able to carry said spray because they want you to know how it feels before you inflict that that pain on someone else. Uh, so anyone voting on a uh, open carry gun law should be shot. Yes, and, and non threaten like non vitally in the arm or something, something where you know it's going to heal. It's it's going to be a flesh wound. Um, but you you got to know the pain that you're inflicting on other people before you sign that into law. I mean, I
0: don't think that. Anyone who's signing into law, not to get political, I don't think anyone who's signing into law uh, legislation about people being able to carry guns really understands anything about them. I, I don't think that anyone who grew up around guns... For the most part, wants more people to have guns. So, if there was a thing that's like, hey, if you want everyone to have guns, we're going to shoot you. It's not with a 22, because if you're making it so everyone can carry guns, no one's going to carry a 22. We're going to shoot you with a 9 millimeter. It's going to be in the shin. Highly likely it won't be lethal, but you know, if it hits a bone, it might bounce around. You know, if you shoot someone in the leg, the bullet can end up in their skull. Who knows? But this is what you're signing into law. Right.
1: Yeah. Just so they have the perspective that they need to accurately pass that legislation. And then if they pass legislation about like sweeping
0: healthcare reform, we like give them LASIK eye surgery for free. See how that makes
1: them fucking feel. Yeah. And again. Yeah. Okay. The point being the people who are making these decisions need to have broader experiences and broader discussions than the average person. So like being forced to talk to people from all walks of life, six times, six to eight to 10 times a year to being shot in the shin before passing gun legislation. I feel like life would be better if people were forced to interact with other people from different walks of life, just so everyone kind of gets the idea of what it's really like for other people.
0: Yeah. People should just have to have experiences before they change the lives of other people who are having those same experiences. It's, you'd think this is something that we'd agree on, but apparently not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to I me mean, whenever something like this, the six week, past six weeks ban on abortion thing passes. When it's just like, you, you realize, and this this was an eye-opener for me, you realize six weeks pregnant is just two weeks late on your monthly cycle.
0: Yeah, it, it's two you weeks might, late on your period, which is normal. Yeah. If which, you're particularly which, stressed out, if you've been working out really hard, if work has been difficult,
1: you can be two to three weeks late. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um it, it, to call it a cycle is kind of a misnomer because like it does happen, but it doesn't always happen on a timely basis. And, and, like it, you can't schedule it. It's a bodily function. I, you can't schedule many bodily functions. Even babies are hit or miss with the nine month period. Like, so to, 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 limit things on this quantifiable base of like X number of weeks, past that no abortions is just it it's against science it's against logic it's just insane yeah first of all we shouldn't say that a pregnancy is nine months we should say it's
0: roughly 40 weeks but in addition to that we talked about this pre-podcast that this was a thing that i didn't want to talk about because it might make me angry but i
1: can be angry if you'd like well i it just seemed like we were touching base on it, not to keep using the stupid office joke. Yeah, I just want to make a quick point. Okay, go ahead.
0: So, if you were to argue from the standpoint of someone who votes for legislation to make abortion illegal at six plus weeks, you would imagine
1: that this person is pro what? I would, if we're just filling in the blank with no with no editorialization. Pro-life. So they're pro-life, right? They ostensibly are saying that
0: six plus weeks out, we have determined uh, that this uh, this fertilized egg, the zygote within you, uh, is past the point where we can no longer consider it a person. We'd like to consider it at conception, but, you know, you have to do what you can do. Uh, however, what happens when that baby is born? Uh, what happens when that baby has to go to school? What happens when that baby has to afford uh, lunches? Uh, what's going to happen to it? Uh, no uh, sustenance whatsoever from the federal government. Uh, lunch debt. There will be nothing whatsoever yeah. to protect a baby if it is born to someone in a lower income bracket. Because yeah. being pro-life does not actually mean you give a shit about the sanctity of life and the definition of life in the Bible, being pro life means you actually want to commit genocide <laughs> against people in the lower classes, particularly people of color. Being pro life means you want to place a downstream, lagging deficit on the people you want to kill. Being pro-life is being pro-genocide. It's, it's it, killing babies. It's forcing mm-hmm. people to have unbelievable burdens medically because you don't actually want to sign any legislation into effect that protects new mothers, that secures maternity or paternity leave for people. You just want to create difficult positions for poor people and kill them. Being pro-life is pro-death. It's ridiculous. If you're pro-life, you would try to give people fucking maternity leave. If you're pro-life, you'd support kids. We're killing kids. Kids in elementary school have record levels of food insecurity. And no one who's pro-life is giving two shits about it. It's insane.
1: Absolutely right. And to add on to it, it is also a way to control women.
0: Yes, uh, we it, hate it, it, women and we want yeah. to
1: kill poor
0: people. Those are the two it, it, yeah. things America has always st- has always stood steadfastly for is fuck poor people and fuck women
1: uh, I saw a political cartoon today which had um, a man holding an umbrella over himself and the belly of a pregnant lady. but then the rest of the lady and her her arty young son. We're just being drenched in the rain. And it's true. I mean, it's everything went wrong at
0: Ronald Reagan because the party of conservatism uh, became a party of cruel evangelicism. And the post Reagan, like starting with Clinton, everyone who was a Democrat was just a Republican. No one gives a shit about kids. They really don't. Like we can create this, this straw man argument for being pro-life in babies, but no one stops to think about what happens to those kids once they're actually born.
1: Right. And I saw a great argument the other day that said, uh a 16-year-old 16-year-old girl wants to adopt and we won't let her because she's not educated, she can't care for the kid, so it's not legal. But it's perfectly legal to make that 16-year-old become a mother through natural means. I mean, look at it objectively. We were talking at the start of this podcast
0: about how people don't want to go back to work for restaurants that pay the minimum wage. People who advocate for pro... And it's really difficult because I get it. If you're making the argument that abortion is wrong and it's killing something, I get why you would say that. I get... I honestly think that the standpoint of life begins from conception and you want to protect that at all costs. I get that as an argument. But the people who are arguing... Four abortion bans are not the people who are saying we should raise the minimum wage. So someone who works minimum wage 40 hours a week, which, to be honest with you, uh, is two jobs with a lot of commute because minimum wage jobs will not give you 40 hours a week because then they have to give you benefits in most states. So post-tax, people making minimum wage in addition to raising a child, will make like $16,500 a year. The bare costs of raising a child, extringent uh, from rent, your own personal health insurance, your own personal medical bills, just raising a child every year from year zero to six costs anywhere from $10,000 to $26,000. And you expect people who are working these minimum wage jobs to be forced to have kids. You're yeah. killing
1: them. It's insane. It, it makes no sense. And it's never made sense. And I, I, that's the point. The
0: problem is it does make sense, but the sense we want it to make is that these people want to protect kids, but it makes sense if you understand that they don't want to protect kids, they just want to kill poor people, particularly poor people of color, and then it makes
1: really, really good sense. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make logical sense, but it makes hate sense.
0: Yes. Anyway, I said that I would get mad. That is the extent of my getting mad. This I, I feel like news you, to anyone.
1: <laughs> you handled your rage well, and uh, yeah, I, I did. We didn't want to get into it, but I did sharing the insights that I've gained from broadening my horizon and having empathy for others, and learning about how ridiculous just the the number six weeks, just how ridiculous that is from a realistic standpoint. I feel I can help people who listen to this, who might not have ever thought of it. Like I never really thought of it until I I dove deeper into the issue. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't
0: know anyone, regardless of gender, uh, anyone who has a period understands that being six weeks late, uh, is normal, like relatively normal. It happens to you a few times in yeah. your life. Maybe not necessarily something you're running to the store to buy a notoriously inaccurate pregnancy test for. So right. uh, I get it. It's, it's a trap for people.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's the only reason why I wanted to share it because that's not something in my normal day-to-day life of just reading the internet and playing video games I ever have thought about. But in light of all the horrible legislation being passed by our state government, I, you know, did some research, and now I'm sharing it for the benefit for hopefully at least one other person. Wait, Henry, you mean the internet
0: and video games didn't teach you about the nuances of the menstrual cycle? Not until I looked into, like, issues and stuff. It all begins with a substance called the corpus luteum, Henry what that's that's what gets shed when you have your period oh Um, well thank you for teaching me latin yeah that's the least i can do anyway i'm done being mad this shit sucks no one should have guns and everyone should have
1: abortions (laughs) no one should have guns everyone should have abortions that is the official political stance of everyone here at zero credits um i think between the two of us i'm actually surprisingly pro-gun but
0: we won't get into that
1: you are surprisingly pro-gun. I am anti-gun in every sense of the word, anti, which is yeah. not a word. It's a prefix.
0: We should, <laughs> in every sense of the word, anti, uh, we should uh, we should set aside podcast time for you and I to argue about guns.
1: All right. Not now. I'm, pen- I'm going to pencil this in for a tentative date uh, further on, and uh, so we'll table that discussion for now. But if we could circle back to doing the social media plugs, I feel like that's kind of more of the direction this project wants to take. Yeah, if you can send me an Outlook invite, that would be great.
0: Uh, my calendar's up to date until July 7th, at which point I need to take a look at a few things. But before that, if you send me uh, the Outlook oh, invite, I'm pretty sure I can get back to you.
1: I'm sorry. I'm going to be OOO for the next uh, three weeks straight for no reason. On so. vacation. <laughs> Uh, It's actually jury duty. Mm. You know how it is. Um, So if I can have uh, anyone else on this meeting, if they could send the invite, that would be great because I'm not going to do anything for the rest of the day. Well, that's fine. You know, honestly, I'm on
0: sabbatical for the next seven years. (laughs) uh starting in five minutes i'm on sabbatical
1: (laughs) for the next seven years but i still Uh, want
0: everything run by me (laughs) yeah i want everything run by me uh just keep in mind uh i won't be checking my emails right Right. the only way you can reach me is via a linkedin in mail message uh, and those cost ten dollars a pop uh and you can reach me that way but once again sabbatical for seven years Uh, keep me in the loop, CC me on all your emails, uh, and also uh, send me all your timesheets and I'll review them uh, seven years from now. And in addition uh, to all of that, if you need to reach me for any reason, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for, I think my colleague Henry uh, might know what that stands for. I'm really blanking on it right now.
1: Well, I just want to say that I'm going to be available via Slack, but I might leave you on Red for just a little while because I'm very busy. Um, but we can circle back to that when we meet face to face via Zoom on a later date.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if uh, I'm just kind of thinking outside the box here, if you want to send me an email, uh, you can do that uh, to email at zerocredits.net. You're going to get a bounce back. I'm going to warn you right now. You'll get a bounce back but I'll see that you sent me an email. Uh, So if you want to just send me an email there, uh, we can definitely circle back. And, you know, I I just want to make sure that everyone on the team has the opportunity to, to make their voices heard. I'm on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So if you search for zero, (laughs) if you search for zero credits podcast on the podcast section of Spotify, I think you can find me there. Um, you know, I'm kind of going to be in and out. You know how it is on the weekends, uh, mimosas or emails. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, cause I just want to make sure I'm a resource. Uh, so if you're a subject matter expert, uh, you can reach out to me, uh, on Apple podcasts. Uh, just for, search for zero credits on Apple Podcasts. I'm not going to be able to get back to you unless you leave a rating and a, rev- a review, though. It's just kind of the way the system works. I don't really know. Uh, but as long as you do that, I should be able uh, to reach back out to you in two, three, four, five months. Uh, like I said, it's kind, it's going to be kind of a long sabbatical. So there's going to be a long tail. Uh, but when I reach back out to you, I will give you all the details uh, you need uh, to continue, but honestly,
1: <sighs>
0: I mean, if you're twisting my arm about it, I think word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Uh, so, like, if you tell your friends and they tell their friends, uh, I should probably get back to you end of quarter. I feel like it's a stretch to say end of quarter, but I'm gonna say end of quarter right now. And if I don't get back to you by end of quarter, uh, you can circle back with uh, any of my direct reports. You can circle back with Henry, uh, <laughs> and you know they'll uh, they'll they'll uh, they'll let you know.
1: And uh, just to sum up this meeting and to bring it to a close, um, I just want to say, if I can, everyone here at Zero Credits Boardroom Office Studios, we want to wish you what we call what is known as in the circles of this office as
0: a happy week. And if I could just piggyback on what Henry just said, I, I don't want to steal Henry's thunder or anything. Like I know he brought the, the whole presentation, but the happy week thing. Uh, but if I could just piggyback off of what Henry said, uh, I'd, I'd just like to add
1: goodbye. And uh, if I could, if I may, I'm going to jump in right here and uh, just build off what hey, John H- Henry just Henry said.
0: Henry. I really yes. hate to interrupt. Are you are you are
1: you are you trying to share your screen? Are you supposed to be sharing your screen because the original I'm deck on, is still up? I'm continuously on mute and I will never realize it. Uh, but I would just like to add goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. If I could just circle back and say goodbye. Um, hold on here. I just have one last note. Goodbye. I'm going to loop in a goodbye to this conversation and uh, goodbye.
0: These, uh, these rodeo clowns are delicious, but I just noticed they're 9.5%, so I got really angry at the end of the podcast.